chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Eh, sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Listen up, fanboy. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. And here he is, the very animated Derek McCaw. Do I have to wave around? You I'm already are. That. Uh, it's that, yeah, you've got that It's twitch. sort of my, uh, my, uh, my Barry Allen thing. I'm vibrating my face <laughs> so fast so no one can actually take my photograph. No, that's not it at all. I, but don't we wish. Boy. <laughs> ha. That's what we got up about next week, all that flash casting news. Anyway, uh, yes, good evening. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and this is, I guess, a part two of our fabulous Comic-Con special reporting. And tonight's episode, I wish we had like a cleverer title then. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. <laughs> it's sitting down with cartoon. Yeah, a date with well, okay, danger. Uh, with Cartoon Network and Adult Swim, which is this one and the same sort of, but we but we sat down with with the crew from two very disparate animated shows. So I, I still have to separate it out: Cartoon Network and Adult Swim. First of all, with the creators of Teen Titans Go and two of the cast members of Teen Titans Go, and then um, people behind the Mike Tyson Mysteries. That's right, I faced the champ. How's my face? And, uh, you still no, you yeah. get a little twitch at the side of the <laughs> eye. No, I know. That makes it sound scarier than it was. But first of all, let's let's talk about... <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to us on iTunes, please subscribe, rate us, tell your friends, because it's word of mouth that spreads the power of Fanboy Planet. And you can also do the same on the Stitcher app, which is also available on www.fanboyplanet.com. You can listen to it right from our website, where you will also find things like links to things we've talked about on the podcast through Amazon. If you cannot find these things at your local comic shop or local bookstore or toy store, then by all means, please take advantage of the links we have helpfully provided for you. There's also a PayPal link. So if you're enjoying what we're doing here and you want to help us uh, pay for, you know, hosting, eh, no small thing, uh, you can donate a little money there and we would appreciate that very much. And of course, as you're listening, if there's something that's enraging you, you want to respond, it's questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. As we say, this is a little different episode than we usually do. We normally talk about news, but uh, because we've just come back from Comic-Con, we've got a lot of interviews, we thought it'd be good to do these kind of slightly smaller episodes that are focused on the interviews that we've gotten. So first up, unless I see Rick... I was just going to say that if they're... Going to the site to drop money in our bucket, they can also look at, at like 50, 60 oh, articles. you did mention that. And I, from, for, from I com- just Comic-Con coverage, where you can see pictures. We have done so much. Anybody we're talking to in this podcast, we have photographs of and more on www.fanboyplanet.com. Rick's written a couple of nifty reviews of panels, uh, including The Expanse uh, from Sci-Fi today. Preview of the show. Uh, the preview of Coming the show, The Expanse. And then uh, you can also f- f- 
clip over to uh, our preview of or post view of the Hard Rock uh, Mary Jane Cafe transformed into the set of the or props from a museum for the Expanse as mm-hmm. well. I I don't know how I managed to get that great shot of the outside sign where it's like purple and blue light coming through because that yeah. that wasn't an effect they had. That was just a flaw in my camera. But it looked perfect. And, you know, if they go to the Expanse review, there's a link in the review where they can go to a free short story. It's a prequel to the Expanse. Oh, to yeah, the they, they, gave it, they gave away. So, but you can get that online. You read that online. online. Yeah. Oh, excellent, excellent. And I believe it was the VR app will be av- is available as the well. The VR app is available now. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, let's get down to it. Our first conversation, which <laughs> I've got to say – I think this is going to become a regular thing at, at WonderCon and Comic-Con as long as this show exists. And as was pointed out, Teen Titans Go is a show that nobody thought would make it to 100 episodes, but they are on their way into uh, going into 200. We got, by the way, we got a scoop uh, on casting, which I will let the interviews themselves reveal. But uh, anyway... Uh, I think this is the one that re- reveals it, in fact, which is uh, our interview with the producers, writers, creators of the show, Michael Jelinek and Aaron Horvath, who are always hilarious to sit down with. So Can't wait. Why should we? Let's go. You have 15 years to live. This stress is unreal. Would you guys mind um, introducing yourselves? Do you mind? It's even yeah, crazier. Mine has higher cholesterol. Uh, <laughs> Jeez. Uh, no, no competition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This one I'm looks like it could kill me. This I looks agree. this looks like one for peace, and this looks like a weapon. Um, I'm Michael Jelinek, producer of Teen Titans Go. And I'm Aaron Horvath, and I'm the other producer of Teen Titans Go. Aaron has a massive yeah. hangover. It's pretty massive. So if I get up and zip out that door, it's because I have to go. You, you didn't offend us. It's because yeah. he has places to... Put other parts of his We've body. We've been at this round table before. We understand. Your reputation precedes. <laughs> yeah. some, right. Let's just say that some, some mistakes were made, <laughs> and now I'm dealing with the consequences. Jack Daniels is not a friend. Right. No friend of mine. Right. Episode 100 is about to happen. Did it just happened last week. Happened last week. I messed up with my son. I'm sorry. So yeah. <laughs> it was uh, to huge ratings. Yeah. Um, Through the roof. And I feel Blew like the roof off. They had to build a new roof. New roof, and it was a huge success thanks to all the people who hate the show. Right? Yep. All their tweets of hate actually generated so much publicity that Do you get a lot of hate watchers. On this? Oh my god! Isn't that well established? At this point, though, haven't they? Oh bad. They got no? some people got really upset that we got to hundred episodes. So yeah. How can we get? How did they get to hundred episodes? Young Justice got to thirty something, or how many? So you're gonna fight for two hundred. I know. I just it, oh, we're, yeah. we're, at, we're at this point. We're motivated by these people who hate us so much yeah. that that's the only reason we're working. <laughs> Powered by spite. Spite. <laughs> we would have given up if only they knew. We would have given up like years ago. But they're fueling us, and now Teen Titans will go on forever. Yeah, the hate is what keeps us strong. Yes. <laughs> and also the kids' love for the show. That too, a little. Mostly bit. the kids. Most no, mostly love the, the show, but mostly the hate. So a few months ago, you guys got green light for season three. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. How are the plans shaping up for that in terms of themes for season three? Uh, we're deep in season three right now, as far as writing, and you know, I think season uh-huh. three is actually going to premiere very soon. I think at the end of July, I believe. Uh-huh. Yeah, the season premiere is going to is going to play w- along with the last episodes. I think of season two. Oh, okay. So I think that's going to be another week. 
of uh, premieres. So every night is a new episode, and then I think that Friday is the season three premiere. Yeah. And uh, very exciting. Season th- just kind of blurs that I don't understand. I know we do not <laughs> stop. We're on an impossible schedule. Nobody yeah. is at the schedule that we are on. Yeah, like Steven Universe, which is a well-run show, has done half the number of episodes that we have done. Yeah. You know, and shows that aren't well-run have done like twelve episodes <laughs> in the same time we've done a hundred. Um, so. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy um, sort of pace we're on. But season three, I think, is weirder than the previous seasons, if that's possible. So we're doing stuff that's probably even more unexpected. You know, just because we have so many episodes, we feel like we could do, you know, pretty much anything we want. Mm-hmm. And it's like, even if it seems like a stupid idea, it's like, oh, that's just one of 200 episodes. No one's going to notice. <laughs> right. But we have a lot of those. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of episodes. People are going to start noticing is what he's telling you. <laughs> These episodes are starting to get weird. Weird. Yeah. Well, I just watched the sound effects. Uh-huh. Uh, but that, that got pretty weird. Yeah, to get a little weird? <laughs> yeah, that was just... That was another one. It's like, yeah, well, let's let's experiment. I mean, it, it's... You know, we yeah. mostly wanted to see an episode where our actors knew all the sound effects, and so we built a, a plot around that. It's a very flimsy sort of plot, which mm-hmm. makes no sense, but the, the point is to get to the fun of uh, right. of the characters doing the music and, you know, sound effects. So. Yeah. Do you have plans for a specific character? Uh, well, now that season two is almost going to wrap up. Yeah, we have a... Well... We are. They, we do go to. They visit the Justice League. Huh? The Titans visit the Justice League. Yes, that's going to be a big two-parter that that's we a have. Big two-parter. Um, they visit the Justice League. Um, Cyborg's dream is to be in the Justice League, uh-huh. um, and so as he is in the comics. Though, yeah, eventually. Exactly. So that's that's the thing. And there, are the joke. Everybody's like, "You're never going to get in the Justice League." <laughs> Rob is like, "I'm the one they would pick." Yeah. Of course, if you know the comics, you know Cyborg ends up in the Justice League. So that probably the hate watchers were watching. Yeah, oh, they, they know. They, they the kids <laughs> don't know. I know. The kids are like, "I hope he makes it to the Justice League." <laughs> um, but we we have them. You know, the Justice League in that episode has been captured by Darkseid, portrayed by the best voice ever for Darkseid, Weird Al Yankovic. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because you expect Darkseid to have his booming hello, but, you know, Weird Al! Makes it makes it. It a lot turns of out he just needed a lozenge. Lozenge. That's why Dark Side. <laughs> so Starfire gives him a lozenge. He's <laughs> like, ah, oh, thank you. Throat clears up uh, real quick. <laughs> he's a lot less menacing though, as voiced that way. Um, and anyways, so the, the the conceit of that show is they get the the Justice League costumes because kids all like dressing up and see. So even our show, the, the Titans like dressing up, so they put on the costumes of the various Justice League members and, and pretend to be them to, to take out Darkseid. So we get, like, Cyborg is... He's pretending he's Green, Green Lantern. Lantern. And, uh, Robin is... Batman, Batman obviously. Just shouting, I'm Batman. <laughs> he keeps growling, I'm Batman, at everyone, and disappearing. As soon as you turn away, he disappears mysteriously. <laughs> so, as though over a rooftop. So, Yeah. So it's, it's, fun. Fun. it's a fun episode. Um, we had some pretty big. Well, I guess one big celebrity guest star. You already talked. You already blew that. I was gonna lay out the news that we got a weird out, but yeah, that was like twenty minutes. He's really hungover. <laughs> <laughs> got celebrity. <laughs> so, what aspects right now in the creative process do you enjoy the most, and other aspects you still find very challenging? Oh, I think it's the schedule is the most challenging part. Yeah. Like creatively, it's still fun coming up yeah. with these episodes and. 
I don't know. I guess on the one hand, like the really fast schedule makes it so that like we just have we, we come up with an idea, and if it both ma- it makes us laugh, we start yeah. going with it. There's no going back. Like the schedule sort of locks us into like, yeah, well, we, that's what you're doing. Yeah, so we're there's doing, no time to do anything else. Just weird stuff now. That's what excites me. It's like and now I'm trying to do a lot of episodes that don't seem kid friendly. We have an episode about where Robin teaches the times about importance of investing in rental property like you know because a lot of people criticize our show because we don't teach lessons i'm like let's teach real lessons not like be nice be nice everybody knows to be nice go go, don't hurt people's feelings that's dumb it's obvious we don't need to be taught that but no one is teaching kids like you should consider rental property um what else you know we have Yes, I want to do a uh, times the times from the future come back and say you got to save for your your retirement. Uh, uh, We have an episode where where we learn about the um, trouble with college, how the skyrocketing prices of colleges, the student loans. Um, So you know, so but all this is masked very very subtly. in our, our show but no we're not subtle at all but so right now that's what sort of is fun for me is like because I don't think anybody in cartoon kids cartoons are doing stuff like this and we're, we're doing sort of satire um, so that that's fine you know again because we have so many episodes no one's saying you can't do that everyone's like oh, let them do it they have a thousand more episodes to do so yeah. you know. then also the show became successful and then they were just like they know what they're doing and we're like yeah we know what we're doing yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <coughs> Do you get fueled by when Warner greenlights another DC property like like Vixen is going to be set in the Arrow of Flash, but TV universe, but it's animated? So is there going to be a day where the Titans uh, meet Arrow and you know that very dark version? Or <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. We should, we should do that. Now yeah. you cross over to you know. I know. I don't know if we'd ever do. Uh, you know, Vixen is going to be like probably like the opposite of Titans. I don't know if we're allowed to even talk about Vixen. That's well known. Everyone knows about Vixen, now, oh, right? Knows about Vixen. Okay. Wait, it's on the back. I know. Okay. Good. Good. My uh, my old producing partner James Tucker is is doing that. So um, we did Brave and the Bold together. So he's getting to do a sort of fun. Uh, you know, more more. It's definitely a more serious take on the characters than what we're doing. So, but maybe we could. Uh, yeah, our, together. we don't we don't generally consider our, our version of the Titans like any part of any canon of yeah. any existing well, universe. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. And, and you call them turtles, whatever they were. Uh, oh, that is cool. So, skateboarding turtle dudes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they would. Uh, Vixen would invite the Titans to her party. <laughs> when you're coming up with stories and you're, you're putting them out there like at, at such a fast pace. Have you ever surprised at some of the reactions to some of those stories? Like, you didn't think this was that funny and then it was really, really funny? Or just you thought this was hilarious and this didn't land the way you wanted it? Um, I think we, at the moment, we have to. We have to think everything we're doing is hilarious. We're like, we're just patting each other on the back. You're funny. It's like, no, no you're, you're funny. the funny one. How do you do that? Um, I don't know. How do you how do that? How are you just that? that funny all day? It's like, we're just... And we've been doing it for two years in a row. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and then I think after we see the episodes, we're, we're, we're a lot more self-critical. That's, we're yeah, like, that's, that's you see garbage. Like, yeah, like, oh, I'm so, so disgusted shame. with ourselves. Yeah. But the show's doing so well, so obviously kids are responding to it. Um, I do worry that we get so weird that kids are going to go, oh, these guys, I don't know, and they're going to back away. But, um, but, but yeah, it's like you can't really, we try not to, if, I think if we think too much about it while we're creating, it would sort of, you know, give it a little too much fear and we'd stop doing yeah 
interesting stuff or stupid stuff. Yeah, it's like a good way. How do you competition with some of the other? You say weird. I mean, you mentioned Steven Universe. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like Drew, like, oh, they just pulled that off. It's a constant game of one-upsmanship. I look at them. I say, oh, they got weird. Let's get weirder. Let's do it. Because we can't, oh, yeah, we Steven? can't let them Oh, yeah, win. Uncle Grandpa? Oh, yeah? Guess what? We're weird, too. Weird. Um, now, you know, yeah. I think we, we sort do of exist. It's, it's funny. I think we do really exist, like, in a little bubble yeah. at Warner Brothers, making this dumb show. And, like, we forget that there is, like, a wider world of <laughs> things being made and We can't compete with those shows. We know, like, Steven is, like, such a specific show. And it's like, there's nothing we could do that competes with that show. Same thing with Adventure Time, you know. And if you have a good show, like those shows are, you're not really competing. You're just doing your own thing. So, yeah. So, you know. Yeah. So, Steven Universe is a great show. I want everyone to know that. I know there's been some... some yeah, but let's talk about Teen Titans. Oh, go. <laughs> Actually, I have to interrupt you. You can't talk about it. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh thank you so much. Thank you. Shock him with that. It's like... Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Is that a new microphone? Like, is that just like the latest? Because it wasn't all even at WonderCon. I know. I had this at WonderCon. Oh, you did? I did. Yeah. Oh, it's a... So I don't know if it's a good or bad thing that they now recognize me at roundtables, but I feel that we've got a thing going, so I, I, I'm happy with that. As long as you're not on a piece of paper with a uh, with it with a do not contact, yeah. right? No, uh, actually, you know, it was kind of exciting. I walked uh, down the street. Uh, I think it was late Thursday night, and I passed Scott Menville, who is Robin, and on the street, and we both looked up and went, "Hey." Nice to see you. I was like, hey, we know each other. So why don't we go to that? We got to sit down. Uh, I got to sit down with Scott Menville. Uh, we talked to at WonderCon, and here's an update because now they've gone through their 100th episode, and uh, Scott's a fun conversation. So Scott Menville, the voice of Robin on Teen Titans Go. Um, how's your con so far? It's fun. It's just kind of starting today with you guys. Oh, there you oh, go. Yeah. yeah. Then it's amazing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> how's your How's your con? Pretty good. So pretty good. Not crazy yet. Did you guys come in yesterday or? Yeah. I came in Wednesday. So were you doing press all day yesterday and? Oh, pretty much. Yeah. Wow. Mostly comic stuff. Yeah. So. And then tomorrow and Sunday for you guys. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. First off, first off, congratulations. Thank you. Season three. Yeah. On deck. That must be exciting. Very exciting. What What do you want? Um, what do you hope for for Robin? Uh, I just hope for the just more crazy scripts and more chances to do wacky things. Like so far, they've let me. Uh, hang There's on a, a fight. Yeah. <laughs> Take him down, Robin. Take him down. <laughs> Um, yeah, so far our writers have let me do imitations of Batman. They've let me do imitations of the other Titans. I now get to speak Pig Latin in an episode coming up. So I just look forward to more crazy stuff like that. These guys, I don't know, they, their minds are in a different universe, man. How are you reminded of it? You guys have been playing these roles for 12 years. How do you find something fresh in it? I think the freshness just comes from the enthusiasm that we all have to show up and work with each other and, and record. And our writer-producers keep coming up with fresh ideas, so it's pretty easy. Sort of like if you went to Disneyland and then went back the next day, it was like, how do you find the enthusiasm to come back? Well, it's, okay. it's awesome. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so talk about 
talking about that process of working together and being creative together, do you find that you get a lot, you learn more about your character as it goes along, or you're not so much learning as experiencing? Well, in the first in the first incarnation of Teen Titans, I learned a lot about the history of the character and Robin, where he came from. On this one, I'm now learning about his personality quirks. So I am still learning, but I'm just learning that uh, okay, he's a neat freak, he's a clean freak, like you know things like that. So but yes, I'm always learning. Um, you know, they've recently uh, the show has kind of influenced the comics right now in that Starfire just got relaunched, where Starfire is very much more like she is on the animated series than she had been in the comics before. Oh yeah. So. What about your performance of Robin would you hope kind of seeps into the next three, four, five years until they reboot again? The version of Dick Grayson or the version of... I, I know he's Dick, he's Dick Grayson, but Tim Drake is the teenage one or... or Actually, Glenn Murakami, who is uh, the showrunner on the first Teen Titans, uh, his answer to me was that, you know, Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, he said it's, it's, it's the one right in front of you that we're doing. So it was never really established, but we have seen him become Nightwing and all that, so... That, that kind of tips it off. Um, I just totally blanked. I'm so sorry. What was your question? <laughs> what you bring to the role, what, what aspects of it would you like to kind of seep into the comics of kids who read, assuming there are kids reading them, uh, you know, go, yeah, that's, that's, that's the Robin I know from the show. You know, one thing that always resonated with me and Robin is that he's the one guy that does not have superpowers, and so he's gotten to where he is by training and by discipline and working hard at things. That's something, whether it's Teen Titans or Teen Titans Go, that I would like kids to to take away from that. Here's this guy who does these awesome things, and it's just because he's applied himself and worked hard. And he he has um, this desire desire for leadership. So <laughs> yes, desire. Uh, desire is a good one. <laughs> he was a proven leader in the first series. On this one, he is a desirous leader. Desirous leader. So how, how is that? How is that to play? Like those different aspects of him, his neat weakness and his desire for leadership. It, it's fun. I mean, I, I've said this before, but. It, it, it all comes from his obsessive personality. In the, in the first series, he obsessed over taking down Slade. In this one, he's obsessing over why they won't listen to him or why they won't follow his plan. So it's, as an actor, it's just fun to play that, that kind of manic obsessiveness. And off screen, if you guys in the recording session, which one of you is the leader? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we all get in trouble. We, we talk and goof off in the booth, but uh, I, I would say Greg Sipes and Tara Strong get in the most trouble. So I don't know that they would be the leaders, but I, I can't really elect any of us <laughs> as, as leader. That's why we have our director, Lisa Schaefer. She's kind of the zookeeper, and we're the wild animals. She reins us in. So uh, talk about the, the process now. You, you know, you, you guys have worked so much, deliver so many lines. Um, Carrie was mentioning that it sort of like blurs into a mass. Do you keep a con- continu- continuity of the storylines, or I don't. So I, I don't. Somebody today was just asking me about an episode that we did that recently aired, and I honestly have no memory of it because a hundred episodes have aired, and we've already recorded past a hundred for the new stuff. And uh, it all kind of becomes a blur. Once I see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that episode. That was fun. But, uh, yeah. And, and when fans come up and say, oh, can you do the line from, you know, episode whatever when you're fighting Slade on the rooftop, I'm like, can you tell me what the line is? Because <laughs> it's gone now. <laughs> yeah. I, I, they mentioned that, of course, you've got a great guest star uh, coming in season three. So is there a favorite guest actor that you, you know, has come in? Do they get to play with you guys in the recording studio or do they just come in and they, they do. They get to come in, uh, oh, I wish I could say, on the, in the 
on the shuttle over here to Comic-Con from our hotel. Our producers told me a guest star that they just landed, who's a huge name. And I can't, I'm not allowed to say. I think, but they, I think they may have leaked it. They already told us. Oh, well, I, I'm allowed to talk about Weird Al. Uh, no, there's somebody not, bigger. Well, yeah, I don't want to say bigger because Weird Al is about as big as it gets, too. But I, I there's, so. there's somebody different. But, yes, Weird Al Yankovic, uh, who we all know and uh, admire, got to come in and record. Uh, it, was, it was fun to record with him, and he, he crushed it. He was funny. He plays Dark Side. Yeah, he's been playing a lot in the DC Universe because he's in the Batman versus Robin. He's the okay. Leader. They've started saying, oh, you know, Andrea Romano's been casting him because he's a interesting voice to yeah. play against the rest of you as superheroes. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that is an interesting one. Yeah, he was cool. Is there kind of a storyline or a take on a particular story that you'd want to be able to try one day but doesn't quite feel right for the show? That's a great question. I, I think anything would be right for the show at this point. They've had, I mean, the, the season one, a couple episodes in, they had the Titans die and float off into heaven. And, and so... I think the sky's the limit. I'll, I'll try anything. But uh, I would like to see some uh, of the old villains come back. I'd like to see Slade. I'd like to see Johnny Rancid, who was voiced by Henry Rollins, so I got to work with a couple times when he came in on the original series. It would be fun to have those guys back. I can you read the comics at all? Or, like, is there anything in the past that you'd like to see Robin tackle along, along those lines of what came from Season Knight in the original series? But anything, any darker sides to Dick Grayson or to Robin that you'd like to be able to play? Uh, anything's appropriate. Would there be a terribly soap opera dramatic episode? Well, we did have one called Let's Get Serious. That was, that was pretty serious. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm open to whatever. If, I'll, I'll play the darker side. That was always uh, fun for me to play in the original series. So. It's it's cool. I mean, I can play Robin, which is an iconic superhero, and uh, I guess we're all part of this huge painting. And you've got this universe over here, and this universe, and we're we're the little color in this part of the universe. And this was awesome. I checked in at my hotel yesterday for Comic Con. You? I got me. They had all the Titans as key cards. I can't say that's ever happened to me before in my life. That's that's pretty amazing. I actually went back to the hotel today when to the to the desk clerk. They had a different staff working, and I played dumb. I lost my key card. Can I get another one just so I could get extras? So. Are you hanging out in the library? Going, <laughs> I, I think if I did that, people would be like, "Who cares?" But anyway. <laughs> And do you have a message for uh, the fans, uh, well, all the fans now, the, even the ones who are on the more critical side? <laughs> do you have a message for the fans coming up for this, coming for season three coming up? A message for the fans. The critical fans, if you don't dig it, that's cool. There's a lot of shows I don't dig, so I feel you. I love the original series, too. For the uh, fans who love the show, thank you so much. Seriously, we, we really appreciate it, and so much love and positivity comes back to us on social media, and uh, we just appreciate it. Your guys' love for the show enables us to keep making new ones, and it's a gift to be a part of this, so thank you. Yeah. I'll put this on a, we do a podcast, so we do a little sting at the end of each episode where we say our catchphrase, which is use your powers only for good. So would you mind introducing yourself and anything you want to promote, probably this, and then give our catchphrase. Hey, this is Scott Menville. I'm the voice of Robin on Teen Titans Go, telling you to use your powers for only...
Only for good? Yeah. Let me do that again. Okay. <laughs> Take two. Hey, this is Scott Menville, the voice of Robin on Teen Titans Go, reminding you to use your powers only for good. Or else I'll have to come whack you with my staff. Staff meeting! <laughs> Thank you. What an absolutely great guy. And uh, the other Does guy... Does he look like his voice? No. Oh. He's uh, bald with a goatee. Not uh, my picture of Robin. Not your picture of Robin at all. Uh, super nice guy and no. very much a youthful demeanor. Uh, it's not like the guy who voices Beast Boy who is who is Beast Boy. Just painted blue. However, and- the next interview, Kari Payton is, you know, if Cyborg wasn't a cyborg, Kari Payton would be, you know, you, you could see it. Um, just... My gosh, I'm totally blank on what's Cyborg's real name? Victor Stone. Yeah, Victor Stone. You could see Kari playing a, a version of Victor Stone before the accident. Um, and you've probably seen Kari, actually. He's been in a couple commercials this last year, and it was kind of fun to go, hey, I know, that's, that's Cyborg. That's interesting. So with, without, I mean, it really was. It was like, oh, because I met him at WonderCon a year ago. Uh, so Kari Payton, the voice of Cyborg. It's good. It's good. It's, uh, it's been yeah, nice and relaxed. You know, what I mean, because it was Thursday, so you know, not everybody's gotten in. You know, I could you could actually walk in front of the convention center, you know, and uh, and not kick people the entire time. You know, assault people for no reason. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's been nice and chill. Nice and chill so far. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It's, it's Friday morning. It could go off the rails real quick. First off, congratulations. Thank season you. Season three? Yeah. That is some good stuff. That is some good stuff, man. What is in store for Cyborg? Uh, you know, he's going to be um, loud some more. He's going to be um, selfish some more. He's going to be emotionally um, uh, schizophrenic some more. You know, it's like it's like I, we, we tell ridiculous and crazy stories you know i don't so so i uh, so if you can think of a ridiculous and crazy story don't tell us we already did it and it's coming up next on cartoon network <laughs> well we we heard that you're going to uh, cyborg going to disguise himself as green lantern so have you worked up a john stewart voice uh, um yeah it'll probably sound a lot like cyborg <laughs> <laughs> except that he'll be wearing green yeah, it'll be, like, you know, just just a lot of magic markers. You know, you might you might hear him talking, and then you just hear because it's hard it's it's hard to get that metal to 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 take the green. But we're gonna do what we can. Yeah, yeah. No, no, we'll. Uh, I have I have you know what I I, I have no idea what, what's um, gonna happen there. Oh, you haven't recorded it yet. I I we we may have. We may have. Do you, do you realize how many, how much we churn these things out? I, I mean, we, we do like we'll we'll do two or three a day, and then we'll come back and and uh, do. Uh, there'll be three or four that we'll that we'll add stuff to on the on the same day, and it starts to it's. To, I can remember like the last four or five that that we've uh, done like, like in the last couple of weeks and then everything else starts to become a big blur so you could actually be voicing like five different series and have no idea that it's no clue <laughs> I could have no clue what's, what's going on but it's nice for me because then when the show comes on I was like oh man did I say that <laughs> I don't I don't remember that but that was a great idea I'm glad I'm glad somebody came up with it yeah so it's <laughs> it's just as much of a, a surprise to me as the rest of the audience you know 
So how do you how do you keep your character specific? You know, is it just mostly the voice because continuity of story is not quite you know right right. How do you do it? Well. It's been like 12 years of doing <laughs> Cyborg. And, and and Cyborg was my first voiceover audition when I moved to L.A. Uh, after I moved, moved there for a couple of years. So he's it's essentially me in a, in a mood, you know, in a very... You're Cyborg. Out, well, in a, in a very outgoing, loud, you know, excited about life and, uh, and, uh, and learning kind of mood. So, uh, so uh, uh, it, it's easy to, to keep the character because cause it's me. It's just me being me. I mean, honestly, most of the characters I do are, uh, are me in a different mood, you know? Like, like, uh, like I did a, an Aqualad character for for um, for a show uh, a couple of years ago, Justice League. I mean, um, Young Justice, and uh, and I really didn't change my voice. I changed I changed my mood, you know. And so uh, and so this cyborg, he's just outgoing and and uh, and you know love loves to play. And when he's upset, he's really upset. And when he's happy, he's really happy, you know. So and uh, and that's kind of like me. That's kind of like who, who I am. So, uh, you know, and when, when he gets darker, it's, 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 it's me in a dark mood, you know. So it's, uh, it's, it's uh, easier for me to play. He's coming, he's coming from this place more than any other, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now, has uh, your reputation of work? Has it helped with um, any live action work? I, I saw your commercial over Christmas. Yeah, yeah. No, it was I, well, like I, to see I, you. I was like, hey, I know, right? <laughs> so. no, I, I, they kind of stay pretty separate. I, I do. Um, I uh, I do a lot of pilots uh, for TV that uh, that don't get picked up, <laughs> and uh, you know, and uh, you know, guest stars and stuff, stuff like that. But those are pretty separate entities. I, I think uh, you know. Uh, I don't think uh, at least I'm not sure. If it, if it's helped, that would be awesome if it did. But nobody's told me so far, you know that uh, that hey, you, you do cyborg uh, on a cartoon, come be in this show. But uh, but it's nice that uh, that I get to play in all of these. That's the beautiful thing about getting to do this cyborg character is that uh, is that since uh, I started doing Titans what, twelve years ago, I've done Lego cyborg and I've done different different. Um, like uh, straight to video movies with, uh, with with cyborg that are a little, you know, more serious, you know, here and there. So it's uh, so it just it feels good that that I that I get to you know plug into all of these different you know moods of me, you know, moods and, and, and genres, and and that's what I love about what I do. You know, I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, of course, I would have loved to have had one of my TV show pilots, you know, actually go on to a series. But one of the things I do love is that is that I do get to play all of these different kinds of very characters. You know, it keeps your juices flowing. It keeps you, I don't, you know, feeling vibrant and and uh, and learning different things about yourself. You know what I mean? I mean uh, that, that's uh, that's the beauty uh, of this work. And let's talk about the feedback you get now from from the fans. I, yeah. I know there's like a, a mixed mixed feelings right, right. out there. <laughs> but how, how does that inform what you how you do how you approach your character? Or does it doesn't or it doesn't? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Because every time I've ever done anything uh, with uh, especially with the voiceover, they. Somebody always freaks out at first. When my, my first uh, job, obviously, was Cyborg, you know, 12 years ago, and uh, nobody heard of me. And, uh, and I remember on the, uh, on the Internet, somebody was like, who is this guy? I've never heard of him. He's going to be horrible. 
you know. And then uh, you know, it's, uh, and then we do do uh, Titans, and it, uh, and it turns out fine. And then I and then I did um, Young Justice after that, and it was like that guy who's doing Cyborg is doing uh, this this Aqualad is going to be horrible. He's just going to be loud, and and uh, you know, he's just going to be just like Cyborg, which could be you know further from the truth. It was uh, you know they're two very you know different kind of characters, and so uh, so whenever they they start to freak out, I, I just I kind of love it that you know yeah some of the best ones I I kind of put aside I, I I keep saved in a little file because I, I just I like to look at I like to look at um, the way they freak out and then um, and then sometimes there was there was one kid who uh, who lost his mind about about Teen Titans Go how horrible it was going to be and every and he said he he left me. Th- like tweet after tweet about how you know how how, uh, how this was horrible and why won't you just do the whole show and everything? And then a couple of months after uh, Teen Titans Go started, I get I get this uh, this uh, tweet from this same kid apologizing and I be like, you know, it's not the same, but I'm not gonna lie, I'm enjoying it. But, <laughs> and that to me is the is the quintessential, you know, kind of feeling. Everybody freaks out because you know you're playing with their babies. You know, we get that. But uh, but you're dealing with artists. You know, you're dealing with with um, artists on every level. The uh, you know the the writers, the um, you know the uh, the the, uh, the actual artists who draw everything, and the um, and the voiceover people. We we uh, we want to we want to twist it and turn it and and um, you know and give it a little uh, different flavor. You know, so uh, you know that's how you keep it fresh. I always tell people you can't ask Teen Titans to be the same all the time. Teens don't want to be the same. <laughs> Teens are like, screw you. I'm gonna do my own thing. Shut up, mom. No, dad. I'm going to do this this way. So if you want Teen Titans to be like the old Teen Titans, shut up, Mom. Shut up, Dad. We're going to do it our way. we got to ask to wrap up. I have one last question. That was just for a podcast. Yeah. But, um, we do a tag at the end to, uh, with a, our catchphrase, which is use your powers only for good. Would right. Would you like, introduce yourself and then remind my listeners to Absolutely. use your powers only for good? Absolutely. What's up, everybody? This is Kari Payton. I play Cyborg on Teen Titans Go. Use your powers only for good. Only, only for good. Booyah. Another great guy. I think that's one of one of the things why this sh- that show works so well is it's so clear that everybody everybody I've encountered from that sh- from that show has a such time. a good time. Yeah. And to think about, it, I think I, I ask I remember this, like you know that. That really, they've been playing these roles for like twelve years now. When you go back to that first se- series, yeah, when they were much younger, and now they're still getting to play, and, and they're getting to play in a way they didn't used to. I, I, and if you're not watching Teen Titans Go, there's a reason that Comic Con like made all the card keys. Most of the card keys were Teen Titans Go were card they? keys. Really? Yeah, all five, uh, all five Titans were options on the card. There was Gotham, I think there was Flash. There was Supergirl, and then they I had, had Arrow and Supergirl. Okay, so they had CWTV, and they had all five different keys for the Titans. Oh. Each one had a QR code. I, I'm sorry, I gave them to Luke. Otherwise, I'd have I had brought you one to show. Each one had a QR code that you could scan and download an episode. Oh, cool! And so that was, I, but there's a reason for it, and that is because it is a ridiculously funny show that has kicked free. Of sometimes logic, Luke and I just watched one where uh, it was called, and the award, the award for best sound design goes to, and they <laughs> named the the sound the, the the actual sound designer of the show. And what it was was this demon had come, been called forth by Raven, 
and because she wanted it quiet. So he took all the sounds from the world so nobody could make any noise. Oh, but my. they discovered that uh, somehow, I think Cyborg got the ability to speak back, and that items uh, could, uh, the Raven somehow counted a spell that at least the Titans could talk. And that any sound effect they made for something happening would get imprinted upon that action. So then the entire episode is the char- the actors all making the sound effects oh. as they go through until so, they can find that demon and get the sounds restored <laughs> to their normal space. It's funny. It's heady. It's so bizarre. But, you know, and, and it gets dark occasionally. And they, and you know, I heard the interview with, Aaron, with uh, Michael and Aaron about, he's like, I, you know, we talk about people, cartoons are supposed to teach kids lessons. Well, I want to teach them things about like, mortgage and depreciating (laughs) (laughs) balancing your checkbook so of course those are things that robin would be very concerned with and the fact that there's a 10 minute episode of a show that that's that's that goofy that's talking about really serious things it's just a fantastic show one that i think let's say would it be fair to say that you and i are a little split i've enjoyed the show i think a lot more than you have that when we go to the adult swim uh you know which is um the Mike Tyson Mysteries. Nate Costa sat in on the roundtables last year. Uh, I got a chance to sit down at a couple of the roundtables again this year. This time around, I'd actually been able to watch some of the episodes. Yeah, I found it. I, I, I watched, I think I watched an episode and then part of another one. And the patterns were becoming pretty obvious to me as to what was going on between the two episodes. The way characters were interacting and stuff. I think you got it. And I think you've got it. I, I think you got to give it five episodes. You think so? It's got to go the Flash go, Gordon. It's got to go the Flash. It's got to go the Flash Gordon. Oh rule. my God! Because I've watched okay. a couple that just made me just just pee. So uh, okay. you know, it, it, it's to me very. So if you're having trouble with, with regularity, track uh, incontinence. That's the word for it. No, uh, it's a it's a good. Uh, it's a it's a fun show. Although, as I said, it's William Street. That's the name of the of the studio. It's it's very much in the vein of the William Street cartoons they've done for Adult Swim, which I do think, in some cases, is sort of I don't I don't want to say an acquired taste. It's sort of a either you you find it funny. You don't, I don't even want to say either you get it or you don't. Either you find it funny, yeah. or you don't. Because I, I I think it's insulting to say to somebody, "Oh, you just don't get it." No, no, no. it just plays a, a different it, taste. It, it's a def, it's a definite just a style of comedy. Yeah. There's a kind of a slow burn going on through a lot of it, which was you know big too. It shows that I think Mike Tyson mysteries reminds me of Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, which I adored, mm-hmm. and Space Ghost Coast to Coast, which sometimes I just went what the heck is going on? I want to love this show so much. And I just, eh, I was okay with it, you know? Yeah. So Mike Tyson mysteries got to sit down with, let's start with, with Rachel Ramris, who is a writer for the show. And she uh, plays Mike Tyson's adopted Korean daughter. So, uh, I think she's a member of the groundlings as well. So it's kind of interesting to just have a conversation with her. Rachel Ramris. Part of Comic Con. Thank you so much. So you started out with sketch, um, sketch comedy, right? uh-huh. improv, stuff like that. Yep. What brought you into that? Uh, were you always kind of looking toward a comedy career? I was. I was one of those kids who was just obsessed with comedy my whole life and Saturday Night Live and uh, stand-up comedy and. Um, 
So when I heard about the Groundlings and I went and saw a show, I thought, this is my home. This is, this is where I'm meant to be. Did you ever try for Saturday Night No. Thanks for bringing up a really sore subject. No one ever asked me to. Okay. Yeah. What is it? Improv too much on the show? Like... You know, the show is fully scripted and everyone sticks to the script, but Hugh, unlike a lot of uh, voiceover records that are very technical, and you say your line and you say your line and we'll overlap it in post, Hugh doesn't like that. He thinks, um, and I agree with him, that have if you're going to have Norm MacDonald in a booth and Jim Rash, and I've known Jim for years, and we have a good rapport, that you just sort of want everyone to overlap and do whatever. So there's enough um, that so that it feels a little unscripted, but, you know, we're following the script to a T. But we, we now know how to write for everyone, so hopefully it feels a little improvised. Yeah, that would be pretty hard to do. That would be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Where's uh, some of uh, your? What if so, some of the favorite episodes been? I mean, uh, the character that you play is, is almost sometimes in, in sort of this hapless orbit between these two characters. Right. You know, the pigeon and, and uh, ice. Yeah, I think we've started to have some more fun with. The young he character, and uh, you know, letting her, you know, she'll give it back to Pigeon a little bit more. Um, I think we've had more fun with uh, the Marquis character, with Jim Rash's character this season. He's so funny, and he is so funny when he's emotional, and so we let Jim get very emotional this season, and uh, it's very funny. Yeah. Now that you've done this series, have you gone back and watched some of the inspirations, the Hanna-Barbera things? I mean, I watched Hanna-Barbera as a kid, um, but I think, you know, I'm sure that the artists are, you know, inspired by all that. It doesn't come into play, really, for us as writers. We don't write towards style or anything like that. We just write what we think is funny. What are some of the challenges of being a, a woman working in a comedy? Um... I personally haven't had any challenges. The Groundlings is, you know, it's not, it's funny as funny. Gender, it doesn't matter. Uh, and then it's also, you know, you, you try not to worry about, it's almost like worrying about your looks and all that stuff hurts you in uh, sketch comedy and in comedy in general. Um, and then, you know, I've been working in writer's rooms my whole, you know, adult life where I've been the only woman on staff, which is sad, but I've felt very respected and now I get to work with my friends and <gasps> my purse. <laughs> he had my lip gloss this whole time. Uh, so, uh, you know, it hasn't been an issue for me, you know. Who's someone you'd like to see maybe on another season as kind of a guest spot that you'd want to, I'd say, work with, but now that mm -hmm. we know that everyone's recording separately, it's a little weird. Well, we do get to work. I mean, the only person who records separately is Mike. Okay. So when we do have guest stars, uh, they come into the booth with us. Um, we, I, I'm not allowed to say, but we do have some very exciting guests coming in season two. Um, and I know Mike has talked about uh, some of his friends, which would just be a trip to, to meet, you know, Snoop Dogg or Eddie Griffin or, you know. So uh, I think, I, and I hope that the more popular the show gets, the more people start to see it. Because I still don't think it, enough people have seen it. And maybe some people want to come on. But at the end of the day, as writers, you only have 11 minutes. We really want to focus on our characters. Because when you have Norm and Jim and Mike, 
you don't need to be giving dialogue to that many other people, you know? How do you cram all of that in the amount that you're allowed to? Well, fortunately, we... I think they all play... They're like... They all work together so well that one person's line usually leads to the, the next person's line. You know, Pigeon says something mean to Jim Rash's character. I have a response to that. You know, it, so everything just sort of flows because everyone is serving a really vital role on the show. So no one overlaps, which is helpful. You're the voice of reason. I'm the voice of reason. I don't always get the funny lines. Uh but the show doesn't need that per se. But I think we're going to see more from Young as the you know series develops uh, and as we become more comfortable writing for the characters. And I think she's finding her voice a little bit more in season two when it comes to defending herself against pigeons, you know, you know, hurls and insults and such. So. What has it been like for you to watch the fan base grow? I mean, I know you caught up with you guys at New York Comic Con and now yeah. we're here at San Diego, and I'm sure you've seen, like, just numbers grow with everything. It's so cool. I mean, it's, um, you know, I mean, it's all, it's, it's Mike. I mean, he just, it's unreal just walking around with Mike to see people's reaction. I mean, he's... Uh, it's crazy. What's you know? the craziest thing you've seen? I mean, he just, at New York Comic Con, I thought it was very strange because usually they, you know, they bring us down this hallway and in this elevator and then you go into this van that has, but in New York Comic Con, he was just walking through the floor. I was like, is this okay? Uh, and he's so friendly. And so if someone's like, can I get a picture? He stops for a picture. Can I shake your hand? He shakes their hand. It's like, he's... He's a genuine person. He's happy to be doing what he's doing, and uh, it's a pleasure to work with him. Did you have any uh, misconceptions about Mike before you started working with him? Uh, you know what? I What I knew about Mike is that is the person he is now, and that he is constantly trying and seeking to be a better human being. Uh, so I had respect for that, tons of respect for it. And then what surprised me was how uh, how funny he is and how real and authentic he is. What kind of comedians uh, growing up inspired you to get into improv? Uh, well, I was I'm sure there's a long list. Yes, um, I was obsessed, of course, with you know Jerry Seinfeld and uh, Ellen DeGeneres' stand up. Um, Paul Reiser, uh, you know, everybody on Saturday Night Live, Norm MacDonald. I mean, I was truly, truly such a fan of Dana Carvey and Nora Dunn, um, you know, and then now I get to some of our friends, uh, Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy. These are women that we've performed with, and but I'm huge fans of their work, you know, so. Yeah. Um, Someone else going. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have? Uh, I don't know if this is. Do you have a favorite episode that, that so far? A favorite episode. Or is there one coming up that you're really excited about? There's um there is a very funny one with Alan Thick actually where um it involves bestiality and uh, a wedding you know like a, a wedding's going to be broken up and uh, an Alan Thicke so I mean 
those three things can't not be funny. Has anything ever been too much where you go, oh my gosh, they're never going to let us do this? <laughs> yes, and, and we've been told we can't do it, and it's usually as it relates to pigeon. But, you know, it's funny, we... We don't have, we don't like gross out humor. We don't like um, profanity and filth for the sake of it. We really, so when we write things like that, it's really because we think they're funny. We think they're authentic to the character. So it's not for shock. None of it really is for shock value. So if we put it in there, um, we think it, we think it's funny, and we don't. For, for me, nothing can go too far. But we have been told to pull back on. I'm just saying you share a common norm. Then I remember in the uh, 80s, or 90s, when you saw about Michael Jackson, he got fired for saying, like, "Yeah, he's a pedophile." Right, yeah. right. I mean, Norm is is he's so funny. I wish we could record the. Re- the records that are not in the dialogue because, you know, how long does it take to record 11 minutes but we're there for four hours and (laughs) Norm just goes on these tangents that are so funny. Um, But to me, comedy, you can't be precious. You can't um, worry about stuff like that. You just have to be funny. It probably helps being an adult swim. That's a huge, yeah, that's a huge relief for us just because we had come from writing the Looney Looney Tunes show which... I thought was also super funny and fun to work on, but you, there's only so much you can do, only as far as you can go. So now we really feel like we have no limitations, and uh, so it's liberating as a writer. Yeah, completely different world. Totally different world. Although my kids didn't don't watch either. Oh, really? They don't, yeah. Knowing how the uh, media environment and entertainment has changed with the birth of social media, is that a little unnerving sometimes knowing that this is going to go out? And in 30 seconds, it's going to be all over the world. It is. Like, even uh, last year's panel, what, it was on YouTube. And it's so funny because I got a little glimpse into what actors must go through with uh, people just writing horrible things about them. Because I really didn't speak much at the last panel, because why would you if Mike Tyson's on the panel? And, um, like, within two days, there was just, like, these comments about how how annoying my laugh was. And you're just like... What what is what is wrong with these people? Like where why is there such like vitriol and, and everything? But uh, it's a little scary because you know I don't know how to use any of it. I have a phone. I do have a cell phone, but I don't know how to use any of that social media stuff. So it's, prob- it's probably better that I don't. But um, yeah, it's a scary time. Otherwise, I'd say you record a YouTube and just you laughing over and over and over. I mean, it's very funny for people that I am doing voices because I've been told throughout my life how annoying my voice is. (laughs) I get the same thing. So you could have a, you should do voice on our show. (laughs) Yeah. I have to say, I really. Oh my God. It's just like, oh. The trolls on YouTube. Oh, Lord have mercy. Yeah. Do you feed off of that? Is it a, when, when people kind of go, all right, well, I don't like her laugh or whatever, does it still, as a comedian and one that's not afraid to cross boundaries, are you um, kind of like, haha, I'll do it more? No, I... <laughs> that's not really, you know, I just, uh, you know, I ignore that stuff. And if it's this show's not for them or we're not for them, they'll, you know, that's fine. Everyone has different taste. How about a crossover episode? Looking back at those old Hanna Barbera shows, uh-huh. you want to have like a Jabberjaw or something like that crossover on the show? Would you like have a character for those? Uh, no. 
<laughs> I loved Jabberjaw when I was a kid. Um, but it's, it's, it's the show's so non-gimmicky, even yeah. though maybe, uh, you know, hearing the premise, it seems like it could be. It's just not gimmicky at all, so we, we wouldn't do it. But I'm a fan of those cartoons. Yeah. There was a episode House Oh my, oh, okay, so that. But that's the one time. But that's because pretty, my husband and I are obsessed with house hunters. Whenever my wife, she'll be she'll be upstairs cooking dinner. Or something, uh-huh. and like let's watch TV and like fine. That's the default channel. Oh my god. Like no. Well, yeah, we and watch. Yeah, we watch the NBA and then he has to watch Food Network and and HGTV. So be, it was watching House Hunters that inspired that episode. And that was one of my favorite episodes too because it was just. Um, it was so banal the whole episode until the climax at the end and hearing Mike talk about <laughs> floor plans and everything like that it was pretty great it's funny because there's 11 minutes for the episode but there's like one minute just introducing it's, it's yeah that's I mean we like to play with timing um, for us I don't I don't I, I, I feel assaulted when I watch comedies that's just joke after joke after joke that's not appealing to me uh, we want the comedy to come from an authentic place between the characters so for us there are long stretches of the script that have nothing to do with the mystery uh, and are just at a really slow pace you saw I don't know if you saw the, the first episode of season one they're just in the car in total silence for a long time that makes us laugh that's funny to us so and we have to remember to put a mystery in there sometimes we're like oh we have to put a mystery in like, oh, yeah, oh we yeah, shit, we forgot about our mystery. Yeah, so then we throw a vampire in. Would you say that the mystery, writing the mystery part would be the hardest about writing the whole thing? Totally, and I get the most bored. Like, Hugh will pitch an idea for the episode, and I'm just like, I don't get into it until we start writing the dialogue, because I'm not interested in mysteries. I don't, I don't care about a mystery, but uh, I care about these characters, and I care about making it funny, so that's when I get involved. Do you have any other projects coming up? Um, we, Hugh and Larry and I uh, just sold a, a project where we would get to perform and write, uh, which is, you know, that's our background, so that's fun for us. And um, just, you know, season three of Tyson, we get started writing on that soon. No? Oh my god. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to I want to give a shout out to the unsung hero of this kind of thing, which is the publicist who consistently gives Fanboy Planet access to these animation roundtables. At this point, before we go to the champ himself, Winston Sato. Winston uh, has been inviting us in for years. Uh, just a, a great guy. I, again, uh, always make sure that we're included in this kind of stuff, and I really appreciate that. Uh, often as well, Gary Mirianu. Uh, from Warner Brothers 2, but in this case, this is Winston's room, so I'm going to give Winston credit. And uh, so let us finish up our interviews tonight with the one, the only, Mike Tyson. What's up, guys? How's Comic Con? your first con? Third. Fourth, third. In that cat, you know, in that bracket. So, how was your 
how would you rate your overall experience your first season of Migration Great. Great. Um, doesn't really matter what I anticipate or think about it. The only thing that really matters is the results. And uh, I guess that's why we're here again, because we had pretty good results. My, my dad wanted me to tell you that he thinks you're one of the funniest men ever. <laughs> and he doesn't laugh at anybody, really. And he, he didn't used to like you, you know, back when he first started. But you made it turn around. And, and what do you think does that to people? I mean, like, your comedy, how do you, how do you think it, it just hits people and makes everybody laugh? I don't know. I just, uh, that's what I'm, if I could be permitted to say, that's just what I'm born to do. I'm born to entertain people. You know, either fighting or what I'm doing now. I could be either, you know, like I was saying before, I could do it with like 30,000 people or three people. That's just what I know how to do. I know how to entertain people. Now, I know uh, like the, the fight game has a little bit of a comedy to it sometimes because well, you're trying to get into your opponent's head. You know, you're trying to jump in there. Did you learn anything from showmanship when you were fighting? That you I just know, I just know, um, this is what I learned as a kid. Everybody had their own, um, I just know my objective is when I'm finished, whatever I'm doing in front of a, um, an audience of people, my objective, my sole objective only is for me to have them say, when's the next time I can see him? And that's just, that's just... I work, that's my barometer and what I do. Yeah, well, I'm certainly in that group. I love, I love watching yourself did back in the day, too. Thank and you. And you've got me laughing about cheese frittata now. I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> I just always, every time I hear cheese frittata, I hear you say it. Oh, cheese frittata. <laughs> when Warner Brothers first approached you to do this, did you set down any... I said no. I said I don't want to do it. He said no? Yeah, I said no. So how did they convince you? And then um, he said no, too. He, David, and we both said no, it's not going to work. Um, I guess that's why they're the suits at Warner Brothers, and that's why we're the working stiff, <laughs> because they know what's going to work and we don't. But did you give them any rules like, say, I'll I didn't want to do nothing. I didn't want to do anything. I don't want to do this. But once you did agree to do it, you know? I didn't want to do it. And then... Um, Eventually, still, I thought it was like, you know, like I was saying earlier, it was like, um, you know, the first Edison photo movie, click, 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 you know, you take the books and pages, and I thought it was going to be like that, and then when I saw it the first draft, it was pretty much um, up to date, very sophisticated, and I said, yeah, I want to um, I want to try to do this and make it look good, because then I, it really looked good, it made you look good. What was this? Um, I'm asking why I'm doing my voice over. I mean, no, no. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. Hey, Mike, um, can you tell us about some of the cartoons maybe that like you grew up with that kind of influence how you're performing now? Quintessential cartoons of the um, 70s, um, you know, um, Deputy Dogs, um, Looney Tunes, Heckle and Jekyll. Superman, Super Friends, all that stuff. Um, Huckleberry Hound, these guys, Scooby Doo, all the Hanna Barbera stuff, pretty much. So, how surreal has it been for you to watch the fan base grow for this, especially at conventions? Because I just find that they're more and more excited, like especially now with the new season. I don't know. I don't question my life. <laughs> I just um, 
I say, well, this is working. You know, not that, well, um, this is rare. I never thought I'd be in this particular general, but this is working. So if it's working, let's just hang out here for a while. Like now that you've done voiceover and you know regular acting, which do you prefer since you can kind of get into a completely different character when you're doing? I like voiceover? I like live um, performances. I like being loud in front of, in front of a crowd of people. What, what gave you inspiration to do your one? I saw Chad Palmer do a Bronx Tale in Vegas. Yeah, I say I want to do that. So like. Still race pigeons? Yes. You do still race Yeah, that's something I, I'm going to do. When you're a pigeon fan here, you do it till you die. When I die, somebody's going to be coming to us already. You know, I'm here to pick up Mike's birds. That's just happening all the pigeon fans here. <laughs> yeah, so I wonder what it's like working with Norm playing a pigeon. I've never worked with Norm. I stated earlier, I've never saw Norm. I don't know what Norm like, looks like. I know he has a big fan base because everybody approaches me on the street and tell me how great he is and how well they're working with him. But I've never saw Norm. I've never spoke with Norm. I always think I was stating earlier, I thought Jim had rash with um, Norm, um, Marcus Queensberry. But I realized that I was mistaken and he's not Norm. And me and Norm have never been in Canada with one another. Is that ever a challenge without having, you know, you're in the booth and you're recording everything and you don't have those people to feed off of? I want every challenge. It's like that. I, want, I want to be able to be uh, up against a situation that if I fail, I risk the chance of being humiliated. Only by that, um, only by that kind of um, adversity that I would, um, you know, rise to that um, above my level of performance. It can't be like a, a walk in the park. I'm, I'm, I'm a suck at that. It got to be really something threatening. You seem like you're really comfortable with yourself now, especially more than you were when you were younger. Uh, how, did, how did that no, happen? I don't know about that. I don't know if anybody's ever comfortable with themselves. Yeah. They're ever real, with, totally real with themselves, you yeah. know? Because that's our job in life, to overcome what we hate about ourselves and despise about ourselves. We all have that. But we got, that's, our, yeah, right. that's our journey, to overcome that and the love that we despise. Me? I'll be able to read people's minds. <laughs> <laughs> then I know how to move, okay. <laughs> oh, I can do that. Right. I think you'd hear, oh no, run, a whole lot. Oh no, I won't hear that. You hear that? I hate that motherfucker. <laughs> I gotta get some money out of this guy. Let's get this company. Let's get that. Let's use him to get that. Do you find yourself turning down more and more stuff since you've gotten into acting now? I mean, I see you in a lot of things. I imagine you're pretty busy with all this stuff. I don't want to turn down things. I like, um, I just like uh, working. I like working. If I work for free, I just like working. It's got to stay busy working, working. I know that a lot of boxers haven't had the same success you have. Sometimes pro athletes end up getting out of their uh, what they were most known for and, and kind of decline. But you've managed to keep getting better and more and excellent at anything you do. That just comes from um, having a great support system. That has nothing to do with me. Um, you know, I have the aptitude to be able to do something, but without a great support system, you're nothing. You talked about not being comfortable anymore. Do you look back and say, I wish I could do that over, or do you only look ahead these days? No, I don't know where doing that over would take me. And I'm always cautious. Um, I'm, I'm always um, cautious about some of my... Um, 
don't know, what do you call them? Gifts or you know, I mean, something that um something I should be grateful for. I don't know, I just, I look at everything as it is, you know. Like something um spectacular, I can hit lotto or do great in the stock market and that can just lead me down the, the road to some really disastrous situation. I just look at everything for what it pretty much is. So, uh, going from here, what, uh, what, if you had a dream project, what would it be? A dream project? Yeah, just jump in any kind of movie or TV show you like. What else would catch your fancy? I don't know. I think I would want to, um, direct and produce. Behind the camera. I did, a, um, I did, um, a documentary named Champs. It was a documentary about the lifestyle of three very successful champions that come from really crime and um, you know, it's crime and drug infested areas, just really the, the bottom of the line in America that you're going to get, you know, as far as the inner city concerned and um, my personal opinion it's my personal opinion anyone had them, when I saw the film I saw three Three people that that had great potential, and um, the shame of where they were and the desire to get out of the rut that they were in made them extremely successful. All three of us. Have you seen a dog fight? Documentary about a backyard fighting in Florida. Yeah, periodically. Of sort. Yeah. No, it's all over the country. They have um, organizations like that all over the country. Underground organizations. So, Mike, what's what's uh, what's? Uh, I have to finish this shit. I, what, what's no, no, it's fine. Oh, what's uh, scarier, a heavyweight fight or coming here with the hundred thousand geeks, freaks, and weirdos? Neither one. Really, same thing. Same to you. It's just all the day's work. Yeah, I try not to. Um, I go stating earlier. I try not to get um, my own self aggrandizement involved with this stuff. That's when I always fuck up. I fuck up when I'm over. When I'm in my selfish mode. It never fails. Never fails. Never fails. When I'm only thinking about how I'm gonna get stimulated from a situation, regardless what whatever it takes to get there, I'm going. Oh, I'm going down. It just never fails. Never fails. That's what my kryptonite is selfishness. It never fails. How do you feel about the sport of boxing? Huh? I think she's amazing, awesome, great for um, contact sports. Really good for contact sports. Well, women, um, women are envious of men, so that's why they that's why they do a good that's why they do a good job of um, superseding us in certain fields. No, you you want the um, how do I say this? You want the respect that men receive, even when they seem they don't, even when they appear they don't deserve it. That's what women want. Yes. 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 How do you feel about how the sport of boxing is now compared to when you were there? That there's not much of a heavyweight division. It's all all the talk is about. Well, it's about giving the people what they want when I was fighting. Regardless of who you are, you might be the Queen of England, you might be the President, you might be the Secretary of State, you may have a really a dignified position in life in the status. But when you come to a fight, I know what you want. You want to see this man um, comatose. 
you want to see him hurt. I don't care what kind of title you got, how dignified it becomes, and I will stab You want to see somebody get knocked senseless. You don't want them to move. That's what I try to give them. No one delivered better than you on that. I try. History, man. History. I try. Amazing. And with our gym, we always flow here. Everybody's got a plan to get punched in the face. That's just in life. You know, we just got to have a plan B in life. Life has plan B, C. It may not be as um, lucrative as plan A, but we still have a life. We still live. Um, you're saying you're saying you're doing some behind the scenes. Have you ever, when you're doing this, this later season of Black Ice History, have you thought about like giving some suggestions for episodes or what should happen here? Oh, absolutely. I was I was um, suggesting that um, he and the pigeon constantly conflict with one another. I was thinking that Young should um, decide to um, adopt a cat. <laughs> 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 and the pigeon and the pigeon be trying to get the cat and you know how the bird the cat sometimes just look at their prey when they can't get them they're too high so and he should dump on the cat sometimes <laughs> so getting kind of dark or something so <laughs> that's what pigeons do do you have a favorite episode from season one? I used to do every episode the best of my ability okay. but there might have been a story that appealed to you more than others? yeah I was a um a serial astronaut killer, reluctantly. A reluctant serial killer for astronauts. Yeah. One more so. question. Is there anything else that you're excited to see or do here at Comic-Con? Hey, listen, um, I'm just here. I'm going to take in everything and I'm just leaving it at that. <laughs> listen, um, if you get too caught up and... This place will drain you totally with your, your, your energy, you know what I mean? Okay, thank you guys. Huh? No, pigeons. Around 1,500. Around 1,500. Wow, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I should have said the man, the myth, the mystery behind the Mike Tyson mysteries because definitely one of the most fascinating conversations I've ever been part of. I don't want to say I, I wasn't super active because my knowledge of his boxing career and there were a couple of people at that table that you, you could hear there were just very enthusiastically at followed his career. Was, I watched the Evander Holyfield fight uh-huh. uh, and I think that was about it. And I've seen The Hangover, uh, you know, and, and I've watched the Mike Tyson mysteries. So I'm aware, but also been really fascinated trying to catch on HBO, his one man show that Spike Lee directed. And I, I did get to ask a question about that in there. Um, but definitely one of the most fascinating because that is, he is a very divisive figure, probably the most divisive figure we've ever, uh, we've ever interviewed. And I can tell you on my Facebook page, on my personal one, I posted a photo just to say, hey, look, I got to be this close to Mike Tyson. And amongst my friends, there was a lot of debate over whether or not it was even right to be giving attention to yeah. this guy. And I understand. Uh, mine at this point is not to judge other than, I, well, I mean, I can tell you what my opinion is, but I won't. Um, that I was in the room. The guy has a show. It's news. And I will admit, I find it, I find the show funny. So, um, 
you know, it's interesting. It was just really cool that we've gotten to do this two years in a row, uh, Nate last year and myself this year, to sit in the room with them. Definitely, definitely one I will not soon forget. And so, oh, you know, and speaking of Adult Swim kind of shows, I do want to acknowledge in this one the passing of a character from Archer, even though that was oh, not yes. yeah. Adult Swim. It's on FX, but definitely a show that you and I both so adore. Very similar. Both uh, love, yes. Attraction. Similar, uh, you know, style, I guess. Um, George Coe, who uh, played Woodhouse, mm-hmm. the aged butler slash manservant slash nanny to One uh, too many Sterling Archer. Spiderwebs. I didn't catch up with that episode, unfortunately, but I've seen that punchline everywhere, so I, I guess there's a bowl of spiderwebs in his future for me. Yeah. Uh, but George Coe um, is an actor who, he's one of those actors that honestly, I did not realize that he was Woodhouse, but I've I've known about uh, of him and his career and enjoyed his performances for decades. He was actually uh, a founding member of Saturday Night Live, credited only in the first episode, but... Uh, because he was significantly, even then, significantly older than every other cast member except, I guess, Garrett Morris. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And he was actually hired more out of his strength of he had done an Oscar-nominated, actually I think it was Oscar-winning short in 1969, I, I believe called The The Dove, that made fun, parodied Ingmar Bergman films. Oh, the dove. Play, they're playing tennis yes. and he gets the crap in his eye. Yeah. So that was George Coe. He wrote, directed, okay. and starred in that. And... Um, and you see, he's one of those character actors when you saw him on television or, and in movies. He was in uh, one uh, that just, I don't know why it always sticks out in my head, but just because I thought the movie was kind of underrated. Um, Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. He's like the general that oversees Remo. It is, it is actually, that is a, a very good movie in that it adapts the Destroyer novels very faithfully, but I will say probably at this point um, somewhat racially insensitive in that Joel Gray Gray plays plays the Korean uh, Sinanju uh, master, but funny performance. I I can't get away. I know that I saw it in the 80s. And definitely a movie where I felt like, man, Fred Ward should have been made a star out of that one, but it just didn't do well. But anyway, to focus back on George Coe, who was a great character actor and... Uh, to the end, but he'd been battling, uh, I think at this point, it was sort of one of those undisclosed long illnesses. I've been fighting for a long time, and unfortunately, he passed away this week. So we want to acknowledge a funny man, a talented man, who had a very long career in, in uh, film and television, and he definitely left us laughing. So thank you, George Coe. And I guess that would be it for this week's episode, or, or this uh, mini-episode, this report. We've got more to come in the way of Comic-Con coverage. Uh, So thank you so much for listening so far. And uh, once again, to remind you, iTunes, Stitcher app, Amazon, so many things. We should have like a SoundCloud that goes by. Amazon, iTunes, PayPal. Like, actually, could you put that in as a subliminal through the whole episode? PayPal, PayPal, PayPal. They just went public. I saw that. Yeah. So... Uh, they went public, but we have not. So please donate to PayPal. Do- donate to us through PayPal. And, uh, of course, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use your powers only for good. Hey, this is Scott Menville, the voice of Robin on Teen Titans Go, reminding you to use your powers only for good. Or else I'll have to come whack you with my staff. Staff meeting!
What's up, everybody? This is Kari Payton. I play Cyborg on Teen Titans Go. Use your powers only for good. Only, only for good. Booyah. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. The power of brains compels you. <laughs>